They were small-time, pretty useless criminals when it came to it. They were twins, and they were murderous twins, and there aren't too many of those around. And that starts their little industry, really, because there were T-shirts, there were key rings, there were games. They loved being seen with celebrities. I'm Nicola Talent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. They had a status in gangland that has yet to be matched. And Ronnie and Reggie Cray are still making headlines today. Pursued by the infamous detective Nipper Reed, they ruled with fear over London's East End while mixing with politicians and film stars. Movies, theatre and television dramas portrayed their lives while an incredible 33 books about them have been written by friends, foes and lovers. Photographed by David Bailey, never have underworld gangsters enjoyed such X Factor. But was their stardom ever really warranted in terms of their criminality? Or does their fame overshadow their crimes? Today, I'm talking to criminal lawyer and author James Morton, the undisputed expert of the craze. In his book, Craze, The Final Word, he separates fact from fiction. And he tells me the truth behind the myth. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. James, I was only looking at something last night and it mentioned that there was 33 books written about the craze between the various members of the firm, the girlfriends, other people who kind of came in contact with them and police officers. Everyone seems to have a book in them about the craze. So I suppose you have now written what will be the definitive account where you have challenged the myths and tried to, to to tell the true story. But what is the obsession with them and how has it kind of survived the decades? I, I've no idea, quite honestly, because mm. they were small-time, pretty useless criminals when it came to it. Mm. Um, the other big firm at the time in South London were the Richardsons, who were far smarter, far more intelligent mm. than the craze, but they very sensibly kept their heads down under the parapet. The craze craved publicity. They were forever um, taking out elderly boxers, failing film stars, Judy Garland, Joe Lewis, uh, Sonny Liston. They loved being seen with celebrities. And that, I think, is part of their myth, that they created themselves. The second they were twins, mm. and they were murderous twins, and there aren't too many of those around. No. The third thing was that um, the East End... Uh, was being revived after the bombing. It didn't actually pick up until the late 50s, early 60s. 
And also there was the start of the working class revival mm. in that up until then, you had film stars like George Formby, Gracie Fields, but they were to a certain extent figures of fun. You now became involved with Arnold Wesker, the kitchen sink people, John Brain, who had room at the top, and working class people became uh, people in their own right, rather than just comic characters. Mm -hmm. And I think all those combined, plus, of course, uh, 30 years uh, was 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> a, a long sentence on anyone's showing. Longer career in prison, nearly, than they had in, in the criminal underworld. I think, I think that's right. Yeah. But, I mean, the 30 years, the train robbers had got 30 years, but mm. that was only half. They all came out after 10, 12, that sort of thing. But mm. this, the, 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 the twins, or Reggie, actually just did his, did his 30 plus. So brings back to, like, you know, one of the things you've cited there as part of their celebrity is that they were twins. So they were born October 1933. Yes. And it was unusual to have twins then. Did they die during during birth usually or, you know, it yes, was... Yes, and there was a tremendous infant mortality in the East End and indeed in, in slums generally mm. around uh, England and uh, I'm... Europe, really, at the time. So there was a very high mortality rate. And that was a start that they survived. Mm. Uh, I think they were both quite ill, at the very young. Right. Uh, Ronnie in particular, but he survived. And so that was most unusual. But I don't think that necessarily contributed to their, their fame. What really brought them to fame was uh, John Pearson's uh, profession of violence. Right. Which was really, for a long time, the definitive book on them. Mm -hmm. uh, he takes them from, really, childhood to the time they get arrested. Yes, yeah, uh, um, which is in their 30s. Yes, they would be. Yeah. They would be. If it's 1933, they're born, they're arrested when they're 35. Mm -hmm. Yes, 35. So in your book, you go through their childhood. They were obviously pretty much adored by their mother, Violet, Yes. Um, the father was absent from the home. A lot of the time, yes. Mm. He was on the run from being a deserter in the war and stayed on his toes. And he was a fairly useless criminal, I think. The one who should have had attention paid to him uh, was their Uncle Alf. Right. Now, he was a class con man, receiver, uh, involved in check frauds, and he was... he was the person to whom they should have, and they did, to an extent, look up. Did he become a bit of a mentor to them as they grew up, or a father figure? I would have thought, yes, he certainly yeah. became something of a mentor. And mm. uh, he, he ran with a man called Little Stan Davis, who uh, was a, himself a very classy receiver and con man. Mm. And... Uh, Davis looked after Ronnie after he'd cut somebody. He he ran a caravan site down in the south of France and he had Ronnie down there for weeks on end till it was sorted out. While he was on the run or whatever, when, if when he was, was lying low. Well, he was, yes, yeah. lying low, I yeah. think, rather than on the run. Right. It all was sorted out and yeah. money changed hands. And But together they, they were sort of notably violent from a young age, weren't they? They were they were yes. down the country out of out of London at one point, and they. I think I think they caused chaos just as an awful lot of, if I say, working class kids who were evacuees did. Right. Um, 
uh, as well. I mean, you've only got actually to read something like Evelyn Waugh's Put Out More Flags, yeah. and you'll see the chaos caused by London evacuees. Uh, they were let run wild out in the countryside. Just run wild in the yeah. countryside. The kids didn't like it. The people who had them didn't like them. Yeah. The fresh air probably the fresh went to air, yes. <laughs> well, it was the first fresh air they'd seen, of course. Yeah, yeah. So when they they started in in their life of crime, I think they started with extortion rackets and yes, acting um, as heavies for others. Yes, they there was a family, a North London family, to whom they were aligned. Certainly, I don't know that they ever actually worked for them, mm. um, but they were. Good boxers, of course, themselves. Mm. Their grandfather, I think, was a famous... Yes, well, yes, he was a cobbles fighter, really. Right. But um, they actually, Reggie was in the ring and was... Well, they were all in the ring, Charlie, Reggie and Ronnie, but Reggie was thought to actually have had the opportunity, as they say, to have been a contender. Mm. I mean, he won all his fights, he trained, but um, Ronnie would sort of brawl. Mm. Uh, Charlie wasn't really that interested, he... Uh, his last fight, he hadn't had a fight for a year before that. He was mixed with, um, I think it was a, a, a welterweight who went on to become British champion. He, mm. he really got beaten badly. Mm. Uh, then the kids, uh, the, the craze, go into the army, uh, whereupon they dislike that intensely. They knock out the uh, commanding sergeant the first day, go on the run, very sensibly, they go a long way. They go straight back to mum, where they're found the next day having breakfast. She always takes them in, she, doesn't she? She took them in, but that, that seems even but about... she's the, a typical gangster's mother. Yes, absolutely, you know? yes. But it, it seems to sort of, that was about their intelligence, you know. Mm. We, don't, we won't actually go and live in Yorkshire, or we won't go to France, we'll just go back to mum. mother, their to ambition, mother. yeah. You yes. find a lot of these guys will reach the pinnacle of their career, but still they'll be living in the childhood home and the working class estate they that's right. grew up in. It's, that it's still home. happens it's now. Home, yes. Yeah, their well, world kind of gets smaller sometimes yes. the bigger they get. Um, so Ronnie in particular, I think they have said, and you have said in your book, had a mental illness. Serious mental problems. Serious mental Serious illness. mental problems. He was probably he was schizophrenic. Mm. Um I would have thought anyway, uh, and he really has to be on medication to keep him under sort of was it diagnosed balance. now? Was it actually? Well, well I think it was. Yes, yeah. they, they had a tame doctor who who um, who looked after him, a man called Blasker, who curiously enough has now got um, a, a street named after him on the Isle of Dogs, Blasker yes. Way, I think it is. Okay. But he was their tame doctor. And he kept Ronnie under under medication. So he was like their own doctor. That that they well, would, yes. Well, all, was he doing good, it officially? All, like or well, no. All good gangs have got their own doctors. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Don't know what they do anymore. Do well, they? I suppose to stitch them up and that kind of thing. Them up, if they bullet need wounds, to. bullet wounds, mm, a shilling mm. a time sort of thing. Yes, but, but that would have been recognised in Ronnie as the the craze kind of had become quite yes. notorious in yes, East London. As, as, and they, as they grow up, yes. He he is. Um, much more volatile. He sort of loses his temper and is very violent. Was he was he sent to a mental hospital after a stint in prison for? Well, what, for yes. What happens is he he goes down for five years. I think it is over a fight mm. uh, down the East End in a pub called the Artichoke, where one man is really 
who had nothing to do with uh, the opposition. He just happened to be there and related vaguely, and he gets cut very, very badly. Mm. Ronnie gets five years, goes to prison, and it works out reasonably well until he uh, gets moved out of London, and he can't cope with the Isle of Wight, which is where one of the big okay. um, uh, maximum security prisons are. And he just can't cope, and he, his mentality deteriorates. Mm. And I think at one time, he thinks the man in the bed opposite him is, is a dog who'll jump on his lap. Right. He really was seriously disturbed. Yeah, yeah. And uh, then, of course, the great thing was that they got him out of um, a mental hospital uh, where he was in a, in a brilliant coup um, in that Reggie turns up dressed in the same uniform, not the same uniform, same suit, mm. because uh, the patients in the hospital wore, their, wore civvies and he turns up dressed identically. Uh, Ronnie goes off um, at the end of the visit, leaving Reggie, uh, who says, well, I think I'm going home now. And they say, oh, no, you're not. And Reggie says, well, why not? I, I, I'm Reggie. Yes. I'm not Ronnie. Mm-hmm. Ronnie, by this time, had gone up to Suffolk, where the good Dr. Blasker was ferrying up pills for him and where they were ferrying up little boys for him. Right. But again, he didn't like the countryside too much. He was a London boy, and he pined for it. And eventually, he, he's caught after about a year, finishes off his term. But within a matter of months, he's back in, in hospital. Mm, mm. But the kind of game, I suppose, young twins would play in a schoolyard, pretending to others who they are, and they they, they have sort of brought that into their, their criminality. Well, I think that they did that regularly. Mm. But they didn't really look alike, did they? Well, oh, I mean, yes, the pictures we've seen, oh, did they? Uh, uh, originally, well, eventually, okay. Ronnie puts on weight. Okay. But really, yes, they looked very much alike. One of them had a mole on the back of his neck. I think that was Ronnie. And that was the only way, when they were young, you right. could tell them apart. Because some pictures, they seem to be varying heights. Maybe yes. that was as no, they no, got they older. Were, they were more right. or less five foot eight. The pair. Oh, I see. Yeah. But, um, Reggie, uh, Ronnie put on weight as, yeah. it, as he went and grew older. Um, Ronnie was sort of, he was gay, whereas Reggie was bisexual, and that kind of comes in and weaves in and out of their yes. their, their their lives. And well, of course, to be, called, to be called gay in those, yeah. like the, the word didn't exist, mm. or it did, but meant something entirely different. I mean... The, and homosexual activity was probably was, illegal. It was illegal, yeah. of course. Uh, and certainly to be a gang leader, just rather like being a footballer, in those days you couldn't, a boxer, you couldn't possibly admit yeah. uh, to being to being gay. And Ronnie didn't like it at all, when, although clearly everybody knew. Yeah, him. and he was quite open, really, was he not? Well, he was, but he didn't like being reminded. Mm. I mean, this is how, well, one of the stories, and this is the thing you can never tell which of the story is correct, but one of the stories about why Cornell was shot mm. was because he had, um, in public at a nightclub, called... Um, uh, Ronnie, a, a big fat puff. Right. Saying, don't take any notice of him, he's just a big fat puff. And that really marked his yeah. death card. Right, okay. Yeah, because there were so many unusual parts of points about them, really, mm. wasn't there, that they lived in this hard man's world mm. and yet they were both, yes. um, you know, taking young boys into their homes and falling in love with them. And Well, certainly Ronnie was, yes. Yeah, and yet then getting so deeply insulted if somebody mentioned it yes. that they were willing to, to go out and shoot them. Um, there was a guy you mentioned, um, 
Bobby Buckley, an Irishman that that uh, was Ronnie's boyfriend, and, yes. and you said in your book that he was in love with him. Do you know much about him? Uh, Ronnie Buck, uh, Bobby Buckley, um, in fact, I believe was married. Right, uh, but he was a very handsome boy. I, mean, I think know if there's a picture in that book, but there are pictures of him. He clearly was very handsome. Okay. He was thought to be the the love of um, of Ronnie's life. He eventually goes down um, because he's in, involved in a bank robbery which goes wrong in Islington in North London. He's left on the pavement mm. when the others drive off. And I think he gets four years for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was really the end of him. Eventually, he becomes terrified of Ronnie. Mm. Um, if you look at the old home office records and the, the, the public records office, um, he says, I don't want this. I, I, I won't give evidence for or against him. I just don't want anything to do with it. He wanted to wipe him. I presume Ronnie had become quite obsessed with him. I think he That had, ownership yes. thing. Yes. I think it's ownership. Yeah. Um, there's a story that they had a, there was a boxing match at the Esmeralda's Barn nightclub, not the usual thing you've got in top-class nightclubs at the time, uh, where Ronnie uh, Buckley is getting a bad beating and Ronnie pulls him out and says, you know, you, you must have your looks spoiled. Right, right. The, um, you mentioned there earlier on they liked good publicity. They, they courted the media, didn't they? They tried to highlight their their charitable endeavours. Oh, yes, yes. They um, opened a home for alcoholics and they were, you know, trying to have their photographs in and they, they were courting celebrities and sort of trying to see be seen as these Robin Hood characters, a bit like Pablo Escobar and others who've, who've yes. come along after. And it depends on what you call charitable. Mm. Very much charity began at home. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's all very well presenting the prizes at the boxing if they've lent on somebody to provide the prizes. Right. Um, and they did. I mean, they ran wrestling tournaments and boxing tournaments, but mm. um, you had to pay for the half page program or the full page program and I had to buy the flowers for the presentation to the mayor's wife right. and Tommy had to do something else. He had to provide the drinks or something. So it was all for show all and for, show. for the I media. Mean, and how much actually went to charity, mm. who can tell? Mm. And do you think they liked the idea of being these celebrity gangsters? Was, it, was the celebrity as important to them as the money they were earning from their various rackets? Well, the difficulty is to know how much they were earning because yeah. I don't know that they that they had a high wage bill, quite clearly. Yeah. Um, they had expensive tastes. Mm. Uh, celebrity was the thing, and that's what what you shouldn't be. You know, it's a bit bit late for me to start saying you shouldn't be a celebrity gangster. That's the last thing you should be. Mm. Uh, you should keep your head well down, like, for example, Billy Hill, the London man, did Arthur Thompson up in Glasgow. And I'm sure there were many, many in Dublin. Oh, there who are. Kept their, I mean, the, the ones we're down. not writing about are yes. really the ones who are well, successful. But well, there's... Um, I don't know whether you've read the book Freakonomics, but there's a chapter in it uh, entitled Why Do Drug <laughs> Dealers Live With Their Mothers? And uh, it was a study that was done in Chicago which yeah. tried to estimate what they were actually earning an hour, right, as, as a drug dealer taking everything yeah. into account. Um, okay, they get the big hits, you know, and obviously drug dealing is the major crime nowadays along with extortion and that. But they do, they'll get the big hits, but the way they spend and the way they... They blow it. They have no economic sense whatsoever. But they worked out that that drug dealers earn less than the uh, the average wage, actually, for, on an hourly basis. And that's exactly why they live with their mothers. Um, 
Because, yeah, some of these people that we talk about, these big gangsters and, and criminals, and they just never seem to have built up the wealth that you'd expect them to. No, I mean, very few. Billy Hill certainly mm. did. Uh, Charlie Richardson certainly did. Right. Um, and Billy Hill was the craze mentor. Who yes, he was. They went to stay with him in Tangier yes. in his house. And then it was said, I think it said in your book, that he became very frightened of them in his... Yes, I think he was frightened of them. And also having them around wasn't actually good for his... Um, mm. Uh, good for his image with the local police. And eventually ah. they had to had to leave. Because they were kind of threatening to put the heat on him. I, I suspect yeah. they were, yes. Um, but the 1960s are sort of legends amongst their own and they're also, they're also big celebrities really in, in the UK. Um, we go into 1964 with the Boothby scandal. Is that yes. really what... I think that's really, that's the start of their decline. Okay. Um they, that's, they, they have this, uh, well, it could have been reasonable, but probably it was a scam to build properties in Nigeria. Mm -hmm. And Ronnie wanted Boothby to participate, uh, or this is the alleged story as to what he was doing there, on the sofa with Boothby, um, which was... So he was a conservative peer. Conservative peer. Who well, was... He, I think he, he was actually in the House of Commons, but eventually he, okay. he becomes a peer. But he may have been a peer at the time. But anyway, yeah. he shouldn't so be he's sitting... he's a big wig politician and he shouldn't be with the Greys. He shouldn't be sitting on the couch with uh, Ronnie. Right. And certainly not with the other boy who was on the couch who was called Leslie Holt. Okay. And who was a high-class burglar. So this photograph is released through the media? Well, it was going to be, but they, okay. they shut it down. But the, 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 the box, Pandora's box had been opened. Mm. And now Labour peers, uh, Labour members of Parliament, rather, were asking questions. Don't forget this was a bad time for the Conservative government. They mm. just had the Keeler Profumo affair, yeah. and they couldn't have another. Okay. Um, and it was suggested that there should now be an investigation into the craze uh, to try and bring them down. Mm. It wasn't a success. Nipper Reed was brought in uh, on the... He was the police and the main... Police officer, yeah. Yes, he was brought in on the strict understanding that there was they, could, they had nothing against him because at that time the Met police were in serious disarray. A lot of the, of the detectives uh, were not all they should have been putting it at its most neutral. Mm. Uh, Nipper Reed was completely clean. Uh, and he started out trying to find um, some form of evidence that the craze were running blackmail extortion. Mm -hmm. He couldn't manage it. He got hold of some frauds they were running, long-term frauds, which is buy goods on sell on credit, yes. run up a bill and then um, get rid of the goods and have a fire if possible. So you get double from the, the insurance, insurance company. Well. But he couldn't... He, he got some um, minor people, but they wouldn't turn on the craze. Uh, he went to the nightclub, people like Edmundo Ross, Albernet, uh, who, who ran these smart nightclubs in London. Mm. Uh, and they said, no, 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 nothing craze wouldn't touch us. You know, uh, But of course, that's not right. They were, everyone was afraid. Everyone was afraid. Yeah. Eventually, he's just about to call it a day when a man called Hugh McGann... Um, comes up and says, the craze are leaning on me in a club called the Hideaway Club 
in Gerrard Street. Um, they, or a friend of theirs, came in, broke up the place. Next day, the craze came round and said, we can stop all this. And Nipper Reed thought that that was going to be the thing on which he could pin his well, his investigation. Mm. Gets to the old Bailey. Um, the craze, have, he's not arrested Charlie, which was a great mistake because Charlie worked the background and witnesses changed their minds, uh, gave contrary evidence. So this is the older brother and he's out there he's and out he's, there. he's putting the pressure on he, witnesses and... Well, arranging yes. certain... Yes. Yeah. They have a solicitor called Manny Freedy, who was a, a solicitor's clerk, actually, but he um, meddles in the case, putting it again neutrally. Mm. Um, the jury disagrees. The second jury, by this time, they've investigated the craze, have had the um, witness, Hugh McGovern, um, uh, investigated. They discover he's got convictions for homosexual offences. He's been in a mental hospital. Mm. He's made allegations which he's withdrawn and the jury doesn't leave the box. And now they're untouchable. Mm. And they must have felt an enormous amount of power by beating the system. Well, they were untouchable. Mm. Now you couldn't go near them. Yeah. Well, that was the idea. Yeah. Nipper Reed goes off back to um, investigate... Um, the Colombian gangs coming over shoplifting for the World Cup, the right. Australian gangs and so on, and they're left alone. Mm. But that is when, unfortunately, the Richardsons um, become involved with Frankie Fraser, mm-hmm. that Frankie Fraser. And we move into a period when they become very murderous, the craze. Yes. And I suppose by the end of the 60s into the early 70s, there's a second major investigation into them? Yes. Uh, not into the 70s, but in the late, in, in the, the middle, late. middle to late 60s. Okay. But by then, the, the, they've been acquitted of the of the hideaway club and now they're celebrities. Mm. Um, and they are, as I say, untouchable. Uh, the Crays then believe the Richardsons are about to try and invent, in, um, uh, invade, their, invade turf. their territory, mm. which they're not. The Richardsons have got enough interests of their own. But they employ a man or they become involved with a man called Frankie Fraser. There's a terrible fight in a North in a South London nightclub called Mr. Smith and the Witch Doctors. Mm. Uh, a man is killed. Uh, possibly the whole thing was set up by the craze. Uh, the Richardsons are more or less wiped out in that they're all in prison waiting trial. Frankie mm. Fraser's in hospital in prison. He's got a thigh bone shattered. They don't need to do anything more, the craze, but now um, Ronnie decides uh, a a Richardson man comes over to see another in hospital. Mm. The man is called George Cornell, who has called um, Ronnie a puff. Yeah. And he goes into a thing called The Blind Beggar, which is a pub where he drinks regularly. He was, in fact, an East Londoner, um, Mm. Cornell. And Ronnie hears of this and gets a gun and blows him away. In the pub. In the I mean, pub. these pubs have great names, by the way. We can't <laughs> go further without that. They're fantastic names. But um, So Ronnie has that sense of empowerment he got from the acquittal of the trial. His, obviously, his mental illness. Yes. Um, 
and that paranoia creeps in. Isn't that what happens nowadays? It's a well-worn path within gangs and criminal gangs and you can see it again and again. And essentially, Ronnie is beginning to implode. Yes. Is that right? And the craze are going to go with him, basically. Yes. Mm. And they, they, they shoot Cornell. There's an identification parade. The barmaid is terrified of them, mm. not surprisingly. They're not picked out on the identification parade and off they go. Mm. And immediately they try and release a man called Frank Mitchell from Dartmoor. Yes, that's very interesting. Uh, they Why, what did they do that for? To Because for... They, were losing the, the, they were losing face in the East End. Right. They were not popular by now. They'd become too much like bullies, too powerful. They were called Gert and Daisy behind their backs. Who, like were, that. who were a sort mm. of um, musical... Uh, uh, Dixon of Doc Green, Jack Warner's sisters right. uh, were a music hall act and they were called, nicknamed after that. And this was to show, they say, it was because they were afraid of the Richardsons and Frankie Fraser and Mitchell was this enormously violent, uh, enormous man. Mad criminal. Brute, yeah. brute strength. Mm. He'd been in Broadmoor as well. And they were going to release him to counter the Richardsons. That's at Utter rubbish. The Richardsons had been destroyed. Mm-hmm. And they were never going to come out of prison by then. They were doing five, 10, 20 years. And so this was just a bit of. So what did you. Yeah, so what was it? So it was that they could do it they to show it. the we world can, they we, could we, do we'll it. show it, we can do it. And we can get the Home Secretary to give Mitchell a release date. Mm. Uh, they get him out. It's, it's quite easy. Mitchell, <clears throat> although Dartmoor, you think, God. Dartmouth. Mm. Uh, he was allowed out on work. He uh, used to have women paid for in the local town. Um, he fed the ponies. He did no work. He, mm. he did what he wanted. Nice life, uh, yeah. Yeah, and then they um, arranged for him just to be at the so telephone. It was box. easy to escape him, essentially, yeah, he, yes, because... The, the warders were terrified yeah. of him. Uh, and uh, they said, you know, Frank, all right, Frank, be back at three o'clock. Um and one afternoon, Frank wasn't back at three o'clock. By the time they discovered he'd gone, he was halfway to London. So they hit him out and it sort of backfired on him because he became quite volatile himself in, in well, captivity. Yes, yes. well, he, he'd exchanged one prison from another. Yeah. They, they got him a girl from a nightclub uh, who he fell in love with. I mean, you can understand how that would be. She does seem to have been very fond of him. Mm. And that actually brought him, or brought the craze down so far as the Mitchell murder was concerned. He was now starting to say, oh, I'm going around to see, you know, if you can't get me a release date, I'm going down to see your mother, which was, of course, fatal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to do this. What um, was he threatening to burn the house down or something? No, I think, you know, just go around and... Be, Thre- threaten, threaten her by mother. his, yes. oh, by I mean, his presence. Burn it down, you know, but yeah. no, just be down. Yes. Mm. Anyway, they weren't certainly having him go near their mother. They arrange for him... <clears throat> And to be taken away and killed. Mm-hmm. And there was a man called Alf Gerard who was part of a, a thing which eventually became known as Murder Inc. Mm-hmm. after the Americans. Um, but Alf Gerard was a serious piece of work. And he and um, he, they take him away in a van and Gerard kills him, mm-hmm. shoots him. Now, there was a third murder as well. Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Two is not enough. No, no. What happens is that, for a start, there's a man called Jack the Hat McVitie, uh, who at one time was a, a perfectly good, respectable bank robber, but 
later took to drugs, as, as you say they do. He uh, was a friend of Mitchell's, and Mitchell has disappeared. Um, he, he's never, we've no idea what actually happened to Mitchell. Uh, but McVitie starts making inquiries. The next problem is that McVitie is a drunk and a drug addict. He starts causing trouble in, in the East End. And eventually, the Crays have got a separate problem with a man called Payne, whom they believe is about to go to the police, who used to organize their long-term frauds. Payne, they want rid of Payne, so they give McVitie 500 pounds to go and kill him. Mm. Uh, McVitie goes, Mrs. Payne says, oh, no, he's not in today. And McVitie, instead of going back on the Sunday or whatever, uh, boasts in the East End, I've taken 500 quid from the twins and they're not going to get it back. And that doesn't help. Mm. Ronnie is also saying, look, I've done mine. Why, Reggie, don't you do yours? McVitie's invited to a party. Reggie uh, tries to shoot him the gun, um, misfires. Jams, yeah. Jams. Ronnie, uh, Reggie then stabs him. Yeah, to death, to in death. the middle of, in yes. front of people. And oh, in front, of, in front of the whole gang. It's meant to be a, meant to be a party. Yes. Uh, Charlie is summoned to get rid of the body. I mean, even in this day and age, that's when things are supposed to have got worse and worse. That's pretty horrific. Very, I mean, very violent. Very violent. Um, is Ronnie there? Is he looking at his yes, brother? Yes, Ronnie's there. Ronnie's egging, egging him on. on. Yeah. Uh, there are some people, I mean, some of them. What has happened is that after the Cornell murder, mm. a lot of the, of the gang disappeared. They thought, this is enough, you know, I'm not becoming involved in this. Mm. And a whole new collection turned up, including the Lambriano brothers, and they were very upset at the party. So it was too much for even a lot of hardened oh, gangsters, yes, what was yes. going on. Oh. And the tide was going to turn on them and people were, were, were going to... This fresh investigation, I think, was launched. Yes, <clears throat> what happens is that, that now Mrs. McVitie starts making inquiries mm. uh, and the police get hold of Nipper Reed again and say, look, you know... Try again. Try again. Yeah. Now, Nipper Reed is desperately afraid that because of the leaks in the police... Um, that the craze will know of this. Mm. So he, in fact, um, sets up a, um, a, a rival establishment at um, Tintagel House, which is away from the Scotland Yard. Rather, rather, it's royals today are setting up establishments separate from the, mm -hmm. the household. Um, but uh, he... <clears throat> He goes again after the long-firm fraudsman. He gets hold of Payne, who is the one they tried rather vaguely to have killed. Payne helps him. Payne gets hold of a man called Gore, who was also a long-firm fraudsman. They persuade people to come in and give evidence. Mm. And um, eventually, the... Um, they have a swoop on the long-firm frauds and a few threats. Mm -hmm. Once they've collected the majority of the gang, they collect the twins and Charlie at the same time. They then turn, Reed then turns his attention to the um, murders. Mm -hmm. The barmaid, they eventually coax into, in the George Cornell murder. Into the yes. George Cornell murder. The nightclub hostess is found and eventually 
uh, is persuaded to give evidence about Mitchell, and they find the flat um, in which McVitie is killed, and the woman, a blonde Carol Skinner, uh, gives evidence. So three women? Three women. Brought them down? Yes. That's mm. really what it comes to. You yeah. know, however people write and say, oh, I brought the craze down. Uh, it, it really, really was, was that that evidence women, was key. Yes. And was that was that sort of omerta that exists within that underworld, was it not as 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 awful for a woman to give evidence against somebody well, as a to man? A, or? To a certain extent, the, the, the barmaid is completely clean. Mm. Um, the nightclub hostess is the worst fringe, you know. Mm. And blonde Carol Skinner, um, they'd wrecked her house. Mm. Uh, and well, it's brave it was going very, up against very brave. Them. I suppose then that starts, uh, and then others come forward, and their own their own turned on them yes. eventually. Well, funnily enough, they they didn't. Mm. Uh, you know, the Lambrianos were offered every chance to turn on the craze, and they wouldn't. Mm. Uh, so was a man called um, Whitehead. So was another man. They didn't. They stuck by the craze, possibly because they were afraid of him. Mm. I think that's it. Rather than they. It, Loyalty. They were just desperately afraid of what mm-hmm. would happen to their families. Right, right. And it's all very well for Nipper Reed to say, "Oh well, you'll be looked after." But he was brave, Nipper Reed himself. Oh, yes, they yes. didn't uh, go for him personally at any point. Well, did they? they did. That yeah. was the, they, they brought a hitman over from America yeah. to um, to kill him. Mm. Uh, but in fact, the word was out, and he was stopped at Shannon Airport, right, and returned interesting to America. Yeah. It's called Junior, apparently. He right. got a tattoo of a panther, so they, they knew who he was. And they stopped him and turned him around and turned sent him, him back. Sent him back, yes. The, but um, so, apparently Nipper was, um, had, had been one time fool enough to take the same route to his home to um, Tintagel mm-hmm. every day, but that changed and he started taking serious precautions. So the craze wound up after much ado getting very lengthy sentences. Yes. Um, the, the two brothers, Ronnie and Reggie, they were separated behind bars, sent to different prisons. And that's really where their celebrity really, really begins. And I think that's, you, you concentrate a lot of the meat of your book on that time when they're in prison. And um, they just seem to become more and more famous and fascinating and... Everything they do is is reported on, and well, first of all, Pearson's book comes out the, mm. the profession of violence, and that brings them into um, the public view again. Right. Then you've got the film with the Kemp twins. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, and that brings them into uh, public view again. Yeah. Uh, and that starts their little industry, really, because there were T-shirts, there were key rings, there were games. This uh, I found calendars. absolutely fascinating. Up until the 1980s, yes. Richard Branson's Virgin Media Shop was selling calendars of the craze. They're incarcerated on murder charges, and this they're earning money yes, for merchandise. Yes. <laughs> like... The mugs. The eighties were dreadful, yes. really, weren't they? The yes. things we, the things we did before the internet. But I mean, it's extraordinary to think. And they had mugs and and the m- mugs, t-shirts. And this has been managed on the outside by Charlie. Yes, Cray, yes. the elder brother. Charlie he, really. Charlie had help. Charlie couldn't manage a sweet shop. Really. Right. Uh, he made a deal over the film, which was hopeless. I mean, if he kept 
you know, listened to somebody advising properly, they would have made probably millions. But as it is, he he more or less sold the twins out for very few thousand pounds. Mm. And they, they took umbrage and wouldn't talk to him for about a year. Well, I mean, they they how did they fare out in prison? How did they get on? How did, for example... How did Ronnie get on? Was he well, medicated well? Well, or? he wasn't, he wasn't. Right. Yes. Um, they missed each other very much. Mother campaigned for a long time to get them put together, and eventually it was agreed Ronnie was out of control. Reggie might have some sort of influence mm. if they were put together again. And at first there were thoughts that they were going to try and break out, organise a gang to have them released. And that yeah. was why all the members were separated in different prisons. So Reggie goes to Parkhurst, Ronnie goes to Durham, that sort of thing. Right. Um, Lambriano goes to Hull. It wasn't, mm. uh, he didn't go to Hull, but they're put in separate prisons, yes. all of them. Well, so, so, they, so they can't operate. So they can't operate. Yeah. But uh, Reggie certainly manages a business <laughs> perfectly yeah. well yeah. With, with Charlie, who comes out after five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got 10 for his part in the McVitie murder. Mm. Um he comes out and, to an extent, sets up well, he sets up a bodyguard agency which actually looks after Frank Sinatra at one time when he came over. But um, And the books are being released uh, constantly well, yes, over we're, those we're starting these. We, we've got cult of the, the... We've got profession of violence. Pearson does two or three more. Then you get Nipper Reed in mm. about 1990. Uh, Frankie Fraser has some come out, which is about, uh, you know, a good mm-hmm. deal about the craze. And then you get the barmaid mm-hmm. comes out of the woodwork. She tells her story. Uh, and, then, and there's this insatiable appetite yes, for everything to do with them. That's absolutely right. And yet, as we have discussed, like from a criminal career, they didn't really, they weren't really that exciting, were they? I mean, they were into their extortion rackets. They were obviously violent. They 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 held power through fear for a period of time in the East End. But, but only in a part of the East End. Yeah. That's the, the interesting thing. They didn't, con- we say they controlled the East End. They didn't, they controlled Whitechapel. Mm. They never went as far as the Isle of Dogs or down mm. the docks. They would have had an awful lot of trouble if they'd, become involved with with people down um, Canning Town. Mm. So society just has this appetite for for every little... I'm, I'm pleased to say they do. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> I, I should worry, yeah. yes. And you yourself had a, a lengthy career as a criminal lawyer, and interestingly, you look at the... Um, you know, the importance of lawyers within criminal gangs and that, which we often find even back home that the, you know, certainly having a a good legal advisor, be they trained or not, is something that's part and parcel of organised crime. What the Crows also did was they Mm. they had a string of priests. Right. and, uh, And vicars who would come to their aid, which is, of course, something also you need if if you're... In giving evidence for them, etc. And and indeed, actually, uh, for example, one time the Crays were, I think, boating and they thought the police were watching them, so they got a message to the local church. Yeah. And down came the vicar, Catholic flying, to say, what are you doing, you know? Yes, right. (laughs) 
And did you ever represent them or anyone around them? I I, I did represent one of their relations uh, on an identification parade, uh, which was a complete fiasco. It was a bank robbery. There were, I think, 40 witnesses and not one of them went near him. It must have been just a round up the usual suspects. Right. Uh, I did meet Charlie. I met Gary. Uh, but I, I never met. And was Charlie so. somebody that would be memorable to you, or obviously not? If great deal of charm, but yeah, nothing more. I mean, he was he was a, a very. You're left with the opinion that he with. couldn't run a sweet shop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so and uh, was were were lawyers and solicitors and and those sort of again a lot of uh, legal people that surround criminals might not be qualified or trained. They didn't sort of, have to be. We, we we they had to be attached to a. a qualified person mm. but for example the man they had was either struck off South African solicitor or mm. he hadn't qualified he was called Manny Freedy okay. and he looked after them from the hideaway down to the time they went to prison and I presume you know within the legal field that you're if you're representing some celebrity criminals you get a celebrity yourself as a as a as a lawyer or as a, a barrister or do people build careers on that it's word of mouth how you mm. build a career yes to that extent among the criminals you get mm. word of mouth so if i have represented tommy smith and that's been a great success he will go to his friends and say oh you know go to morton mm-hmm. and the same things if i don't get a good result for tommy smith yeah yeah well look there's rogues in, in yes. there's rogues in every business including my own um but they are they 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 are fascinating. What is your kind of overall view of them? Do you think that um, their celebrity is warranted, or do you feel that 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 just a sort of a culmination of? Quirky I think little... they were lucky in a way mm. for their, their for their fame. They were lucky. They were the right time, the right mm. people the right public. Mm. Now, actually, in criminal terms, they wouldn't last five minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if you look at the people who I would not wish to mention uh, who have come after them, yeah. uh, they would have been chewed up and spat out. Yeah, and that seems to be the way as the generations yes. come up. I think um, Ronnie died in prison, is that right? Yes. And Reggie was released with terminal cancer. Yes, Ronnie dies, I think it's 95, 1995. Mm. Um, Charlie has gone down again on a big drugs deal. Uh, Ronnie dies in 95. Red, uh, Charlie dies in the spring of 2000. Uh, there have been tremendous long campaigns to get Reggie out. You know, 30, he only killed his own. He, you know, was kind mm helped ladies halfway across the road and things. But if you read the prison records, he just will not realise that he doesn't hold the whip hand. If he's going to get out, mm. he has to cooperate. Right. And he's found people in his cell drink. Mm. He won't go and see the um, probation officer that the prison want him to see. He has to see somebody he knows. He's forever changing his mind. He'll go and live in Warwickshire. He'll go and live in mm-hmm. Somerset. He, he just doesn't cooperate enough. Uh, he certainly does when he marries Roberta Cray. Uh, but by then, he's an old, elderly, sick man. And they, they, they let and him And where does out. he find her? <clears throat> she rides to him, I presume. To, sorry, she rides to him, I presume. No, no, she no. she she's sent down. Uh, I think on a television company 
to um, interview him. Mm. And he, he becomes involved with her. She becomes involved with him. But um, he, he's old and sick and he's, as you say, let out to die. Mm. I think he only lasts a fortnight after right. his release. Yeah, and she's the grieving widow who orchestrates the funeral then? Yes, well, originally it was going to be, well, we'd had one gangland, well, we'd had Mum's funeral, then we'd had Ronnie's, the Colonel's funeral, then we had had Charlie, and then we had Reggie, but what she didn't want was another big gangland funeral with faces carrying the coffin, and to a certain extent she shut that down. Obviously she couldn't prevent a very big turnout, and I don't suppose she would have wanted to prevent a turnout, but it wasn't the gangland funeral. She tried to rewrite the end of the story. Yeah, I, th I think she wanted to try and separate mm -hmm. him at the end, yes. Well, you know, with, with, with what has happened since, even in his, his ongoing celebrity. But look, a very interesting book, and thank you very much, James Morton. That's extremely oh. interesting. Thank the you craze. Very much. We're still talking about them. <laughs> From Sundayworld.com, this is Crime World, produced by Ian Mullaney. Available online and on all podcast platforms. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review. And if you want to get in touch, check out our Facebook page, Crime World with Nicola Talent. <laughs>